JTEC Studios in Atlanta, Georgia. It's America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. And now, here are your hosts, Tom Bastak and Mike Jacobs. And hello and welcome in episode lucky number 13 of America's Favorite Game Show Podcast. Tell them what they've won. I am Tom Bastic. Alongside of me. I am Mike Jacobs. We are the Game Show Guys. And wow, Tom, I didn't even think about, like, I was all excited about our dozen last week. But yeah. 13, like, should we have skipped it and gone straight to 14? I'm not a no. super... I'm not a superstitious guy, so I don't care. But I, so you know. you know what you want to hear something that's really crazy is that 13 has been one of my lucky numbers my entire life. Ah, well, there you go. So, like, it was my baseball number, my soccer number. Um, it's it's just always been good to me. So, and my favorite day of the week is Friday. So, literally Friday the 13th, when everybody else is freaking out, is like my greatest day every time it comes up. Well, that's awesome. Like I say, I'm not superstitious, so I don't see Friday the 13th as anything other than a day and a date. Well, I see this as number 13, a lucky number 13, a baker's dozen, if you will. Indeed. The one and, extra to eat yourself. Oh, gosh. I could go for bagels so bad. I was thinking about Ooh. bagels the other day. All right. A- anyway. <laughs> well, welcome back. Uh, we are doing the uh, our feature show this week is The Joker's Wild. The Joker's Wild. Not a show that I... Um, I mean, I had familiarity with it. I knew it, but it wasn't, it wasn't one that I watched a whole lot. You know, it was not very formative in my, uh, game show fandom. Well, we'll talk more about it. I definitely watched it as a kid and enjoyed it. Um, and I think it was the one in the, like the early nineties that was, that came back out that I originally saw, mm. but I, I did like it at the time I've watched it now not the biggest fan anymore and i've even watched snoop's version which i kind of like but it's not driving me back to watch it every day you know no i agree i mean snoop's a good enough host uh we, we talked about this earlier i've only seen the second season apparently he was not as good in the first he must have gotten coaching or something in between seasons but i thought he was great in the second season yeah we'll talk more about that when we get to history uh, but right now why don't we get into some news with our good friend mr christian carrion Light up your cigarette, crack open a beer, put the kiddos to bed. From chaos around the world to carnage in your very old front yard, it's time for the news. Thank you very much. This is the news brought to you by buzzerblog.com. The chase is on again. Uh, casting has begun for a new series of The Chase. Uh, the Chase is a quiz show that began in the UK, enjoyed a very successful run, still airing to this day, and a version on GSN ran in America beginning in 2013 for a few seasons, a show that I have a little bit of personal familiarity with. Uh, casting has begun for a new version. It is suspected that the three Jeopardy! champions from this year's Greatest of All Time tournament, Ken Jennings, Brad Rutter, James Holzhauer, will have some uh, involvement in this version. Uh, the show features a team of contestants competing against a chaser, which is a uh, trivia expert whose job it is to prevent the team from winning. Uh, traditionally, the chaser is a master trivia player. Uh, some of the most famous uh, quizzers from all over the world have taken part in the chase in its various versions around the world. And uh, it is suspected that we could be seeing the chase on ABC sometime later this year. So if you're interested in that, uh, check out buzzerblog.com. We do have the casting information posted there for you. 
Any news if the Beast will be returning as the Chaser? You know, I hope so, but I haven't heard anything about that yet. Um, the Beast is uh, an incredible player. Uh, I know he's still uh, working on the Chase in the UK, and they have a spinoff show called Beat the Chasers. I think he's involved in that as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, here's you know, here's hoping. Cool. Maybe Christian gets a new team and tries it again. We can only hope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what else you got? An iconic pricing game is making its way to Target Shells. Plinko, the popular pricing game on The Price is Right, probably the most popular, most famous pricing game, is getting an officially licensed home version. Buffalo Games has announced that they are publishing a standalone tabletop version of Plinko for sale exclusively at Target later this year. Suggested retail price is looking to be $29.95. It, it looks to be about two and a half to three feet tall, made to stand on a table, and it does come with some rudimentary pricing games to play uh, to earn your Plinko chips. But I'm sure game show fans and the, especially the hardcore fans will come up with some ingenious way of making it more like the show. But uh, the opportunity to own a Plinko board, I think, is going to be unbelievable. That is a mighty need for me this year. Yeah, I will absolutely be purchasing one of those. That, uh, you know, I just, I've been saying to Mike over the last couple of weeks, I want more home games you know personally to own them this is a great one to start with at for sure uh well and you know my my wife and i we have a board game collection probably nearing 300 games we've got an entire game room and so i think that would just be a wonderful addition all right christian uh do you have a this week in game show history for us well, I do. This week in game show history, in 1956, we have the premiere of a show that was popular originally, but came back in a much more popular version a couple decades later. I'm talking about Tic-Tac-Toe, the game of strategy, knowledge, and fun. Tic-Tac-Toe with categories and questions uh, premiered in the late 50s, mid to late 50s, and uh, was originally one of the shows implicated in the quiz show scandals of the 1950s. Uh, went away for a while, came back in 1978, hosted by the great Wink Martindale, lasted for almost a decade in syndication and uh, to this day remembered as one of the iconic game shows. I have to tell you, uh, first of all, I totally forgot about Wink until I watched an episode of this and he came out. I was like, Wink, oh God, yes, one of the classic game show hosts. Yes. Well, you know, that was his longest running uh, hosting job on TV. He had hosted a couple shows before that. He did uh, Gambit, which was based on Blackjack. He had hosted uh, a couple other things. Can You Top This, which is like a comedy type thing. But uh, Tic-Tac-Toe really made him a, a, an iconic uh, game show host. I don't know, uh, Mike. Have, do you, did you watch Tic Tac Toe growing up at all? Not really. Uh, I had seen. I've seen it uh, probably just on like game show network reruns, like when they used to show old shows late night when I was in college and stuff. Um, but I don't have any like specific fond memories of it or anything like that. Now, the one thing I didn't I didn't realize it until I went down the rabbit hole of watching a couple of episodes recently. But I used to love watching it back in the day. The questions to me, it reminded me a lot of Jeopardy, except the questions were easier. Like I felt like I could do better on this show. Yeah, they were definitely easier than shows like Jeopardy. And I think that that was because 
in a lot of markets, the show aired earlier in the day, and I think that there was pressure to make games like that a little bit easier for people who were watching them earlier in the morning, as opposed to Jeopardy, which is usually on, you know, 7, 7.30 at night. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely not a coincidence. That's, yeah, the the questions were a lot easier on Tic-Tac-Toe, which I maybe also thing. explains why, you know, there was one guy, Tom McKee, who won $300,000 on Tic-Tac-Toe. He was actually the longest serving champion in game show history for a long time, I think until Ken Jennings on Jeopardy, you know, 20 years later. Wow. Yeah, he won something like eight cars or something, too. It was ridiculous. All right. Uh, this week, Christian, we're doing Joker's Wild. What's your uh, thoughts on that? So, you know, I've been watching and studying and just loving game shows for years and years. And for some reason, the Joker's Wild comes up in a lot of the things that I read because the genesis of that format had been around for a really long time. Jack Barry, for a little while, you know, who hosted the original Joker's Wild and, and created it with his partner, Dan Enright, uh, he had the original idea for a game show revolving around a slot machine that would pick categories for questions. He presented it to Mark Goodson in the 60s, and he hated it. So Jack Barry set out on his own and uh, created a pilot for the show. Now, the original pilot was shot in the late 60s, and it was hosted by Alan Ludden from Password. And it was pretty similar to the show that most people remember now. It did have the big slot machine with the three wheels. But instead of categories, he had a panel of five celebrities on stage. And instead of the categories on the wheels, he would have pictures of the celebrities. And the celebrities would be the ones to ask the questions. It almost looked like Match Game. If you were to see the set, it almost looks exactly like what Match Game would eventually look like. Um, at the same time, you know, his partner, Dan Enright, was based in Canada. They had been blacklisted from the television industry in America after the quiz show scandals, and they went to Canada and helped set up the essentially set up the game show industry in Canada. Now, Dan Enright had produced a show called Line 'em Up, and that it was uh, premiered in the mid-60s. It was in black and white, but the familiar elements of the Joker's Wild are there. You have the little slot machine with the three wheels, and the object was different. You were matching up answers that made sense. You were kind of trying to stop the machine at the right place. Um, but the technology was there, and I think at some point those ideas fused and created the Joker's Wild. Um, originally, the show premiered early 70s on CBS. Now, a year before that, it was tried again as a pilot called The Honeymoon Game. And this involved six newlywed couples answering questions together using this big slot machine. Um, and that was billed as the first 90-minute game show. It never aired, um, but... It, again, the attempts were made. They tried so hard to make this a thing. Um, and really what, what, what the format had going for it was this enormous slot machine, which until that point, nothing like that had been seen on TV, um, which actually, you know, that slot machine was made out of three modified uh, slide projectors. So the drums were spun onto their side. There was a notch uh, cut sort of for each slide on the wheel and when a contestant would pull the lever a stagehand would spin the projector and then let the handle go and it would click catch that wheel and then it would give the effect on the outside of a big slot machine so that's how that worked um, really it was just yes yeah so those were three just sort of hacked uh slide projectors huh you, you think about it when you look when you think back on it it kind of looked like slide projectors in its own way 
Yeah, it did, definitely. And, you know, standards and practices were uh, had their eye on the, on the Joker's Wild because it was theoretically very easy to modify the slides and, you know, put more Jokers in or take categories out. Uh, so the stagehands were about very to say close that. watch. Yes, 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 definitely. All right, how about a plug for BuzzerBlog? Of course, BuzzerBlog.com, the number one game show website in the world. Whether you're looking for casting information, information on upcoming series, uh, anything related to game shows or unscripted entertainment, BuzzerBlog.com is the place to go. Ask anyone in the game show industry and they will agree. BuzzerBlog.com. Thanks so much, man. Of course. Thank you. All right, and for those of you, th- first of all, thank you, Christian, for that. And for those of you who don't know, we do record our news earlier in the week with Christian. Um, as as you may not know, we all have jobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go figure. The, the podca- 13 episodes of podcasting does not pay the bills, believe it not- or not. Not yet, not yet. <laughs> uh, but there is one uh, really sad bit of news that we do want to pass along. I'm sure most people know by now. Uh, Regis Francis Xavier Philbin passed away this week. Indeed, uh, I ju- I've been trying to keep an eye on it. They did not initially say a cause of death. Uh, apparently, it's now reportedly uh, heart disease was uh, yeah. the cause. So that is uh, that is a damn shame. He was, I believe, eighty eight years old. He was um, indeed, yeah. and he had and he had a lot more. He had a lot of game show uh, stuff that he did. You know, it, it, oh for told, sure, yeah. It wasn't just Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, which is what I know him from. Right, Actually, I know I know him from Regis and Kathy Lee, but that's well, that's course. another whole story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's exactly how I remember too. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, too bad. I'm sure Christian will go more into the details mm-hmm. of that in next week's news uh, after we've had some time to grieve on that. But uh, to the uh, Philbin family, I hope that they're doing all right. Hearts and thoughts and prayers and all the other good stuff. Indeed. All right. When we come back, you're going to face the devil, aren't you, Mike? I'm going to beat the devil or or is it avoid the devil or I, I, I don't circumvent know. the devil? They sure do call that thing a lot of different names. <laughs> Just don't be anywhere around the devil. That's all you need to know. <laughs> When we get back, where knowledge is king and lady luck is queen, we'll be talking about the Joker's Wild on America's Favorite Game Show Podcast. Tell them what they've won. Welcome back. The sweet sounds of guess who, Mike? Uh, well, I know, so I'm not going to answer, but I will say that their son is also a famous musician. That's right. Alan Thick was the composer of that theme for this game show known as The Joker's Wild. I think that's the second iteration or whatever. That wasn't the original yeah. thing they had. If you go back to the original ones from like the, the early 70s, that mm. theme song is terrible. Like, it's just a bunch of like, beep, 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 boop, boop, beep, beep. It's like not even <laughs> really a song. It's just like a bunch of little sounds. It's it's really bad. I will throw uh, a YouTube a version of that up on the um, on the website. Yeah, so if you just find any episode from 73 on, yeah. on YouTube and it's got it. <laughs> okay, cool. Sounds good. All right, so uh, we're into the gameplay for Joker's Wild. What do you got for us? So uh, the game is going to be played by two contestants, uh, one of which they call the returning champion. All right, can I pause you on this for a second? I want to talk about champion and how the game shows of the past throw this word champion out way too easily. Yeah, I guess you're right. It really is just a winner, right? Yeah. You answer four questions right, and you're the champion? 
Yeah, I, to me, I guess a champion implies you have won against other winners in Correct. You know, some sort Correct. of contest to prove the top winner. Yeah. Um, but and maybe you know. that's a, maybe that's an argument for another day. But anyway, I just wanted to get that two cents. In. Sure, ahead, that, I mean, I, th- I think that's a fair argument. Uh, but you know, it's kind of semantics. It's they, sure they won. Call them what you want. Fine. Um, but yeah, so the returning champion is whoever won uh, the last game. Usually, it they can get through se- several games in one episode. So you'll see the returning champion return in the same episode. Otherwise, they just roll over to the next show. But what happens is they take turns uh, spinning a giant slot machine. And the slots have uh, either one of five trivia categories or a joker on it. And the jokers, uh, appropriately enough, are wild, hence the name of the show. Uh, So the contestant spins the slots. They go round and round. And it'll land on, let's say, uh, trivia category A is football. And then they get trivia category B, which is uh, women's history. And uh, trivia category three is a joker. So, by the way, I specifically chose women's history right there because this show seems to be pretty progressive in its representation of women. There are women categories in like every episode. So they did a pretty good job with that. Well, I, you know, I watched the very first episode and, and it was very interesting because like cooking came up and, and the, and the woman mm. that was playing in the first episode, she said she loved to cook, but it was clearly like, like she chose cooking and the host was like, yes, cooking. I'm not surprised you chose that. And I was like, Oh God, I was so yeah. sexist of the 1970s. For sure. So well, like, and I saw that same episode, and football was another one of the categories. And yeah. when it came up for the guy, they expected him to take it, but he took cooking too. So you yeah. know, uh, challenging gender roles in the 70s, I give them a th- thumbs up for that. Yeah, right on. Right uh, on. Anyway, so you spin the wheel, and however it comes up, if you choose a category that is by itself, it's worth fifty dollars. If you get a pair of categories, which could also include the jokers, since they are wild, uh, right. that's going to up it to a hundred. And if you get all three the same, uh, again with the jokers included, uh, that's going to get you two hundred points. They ask you a question, or I'm sorry, two hundred dollars. Ask you a question in that category. If you write, you get that much money. If you get three jokers, you get to choose one of the five categories, and if you get that question right, you immediately win. That's it. You're, the game is over. You win right away. Yeah, and, you're the you're the champion at that point. Yeah, you're a champion just by pulling a lever. Uh, now the other the other thing that I I thought was interesting is is that you can. If you get a joker, you don't have to choose what's on the board. You can go off the off the board. Right. And so I when I was watching this, I hadn't really thought of that as a strategy. The only strategy I could figure there is if you didn't know the two categories that are on the board with your one joker, go off the board and go get Right. One. Well, I was trying to think, is there a way that you could maybe choose a category that you thought the other person wouldn't know? But that's betting on yourself to lose, and I don't think that's a really right. strong way to play. I Except agree. for I did see a guy bet on himself to lose for a specific reason, and it was really really smart so uh over the course of this first round the idea is that the first two 500 wins so uh had i don't know what it was it was you know not enough that 100 points was going to win in the game um but his opponent had 400 points so 100 points would win her the game he spins the wheel gets the two categories and a joker so most people would pair the joker with a category to double it up to 100 that's not going to win him the game and if he gets it wrong and his opponent gets it right she would win the game. So he opted to take the category by itself worth $50. He ended up getting it wrong as he expected, but now the 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 uh, opponent 
guessed it right, but it was not enough money to win the game, so he still had another round to try and come back. Interesting. Yeah. Very was, interesting. It was it was some next-level strategy that, yeah, I, it, good on him for thinking of that. You know, I mean, it, it's like the guy who memorized the price, uh, I mean, the uh, press your luck board. You know, if you, if you like sure. the game enough and you're going to be on it, you do the studying to figure out exactly how to game the system. So, like I say, the first person to get 500 bucks in this uh, back and forth of the spinning uh, goes on to the final round, which, as we were saying earlier, uh, they seem to just use many different terms interchangeably. Uh, beat the devil, face the devil, avoid the devil. Those are all... Uh, kind of what they use. Do they say anything about smacking the devil on the butt with right? Snoop in Sp- Snoop's version? Spanking the devil. <laughs> Spanking the devil. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. No, they. Uh, I think he says specifically beat the devil on the Snoop Dogg version. Okay. okay. Uh, but, but it's the same kind of idea. You have another slot machine. Now, this time there are more uh, options. So, like, each slot in the original run was uh, only six options, right? The five categories or a joker. And I think they upped it to maybe six. Seven, eight, nine. I don't remember exactly what it was, but there's more options. But instead of categories for questions, it's all uh, money values. And then, of course, each uh, slot on the slot machine has a potential for a devil. So the idea is you continue to spin and add up as much money as you feel comfortable. You can stop whenever you like. Uh, If you ever hit a devil on any of the three slots when you spin it, you're immediately done and and wiped out. So, you know, you're sort of. So you lose. Wait, you lose all the money then. Yes, the, the money that you've built up so far in the beat the wow. double round. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, and But if you continue uh, playing the beat the devil and you don't get the devil and you hit $1,000 or more, then you win the sort of grand prize of the show, which uh, historically in the uh, older versions was like a trip. Uh, the one that I saw very commonly, which I guess nobody won, so they just kept rolling it over, uh, was a trip to Japan, um, you know, prize packages worth several thousand dollars, that sort of thing. Um, and then later in the Snoop Dogg version, they upped it to uh, $50,000 for for beating the devil. Cool. And then, yeah, as far as the champion thing goes, uh, they just keep going until defeated. I think eventually they uh, came up with some different rules to, to augment that. But for the most part, until the TBS version of Snoop Dogg, uh, you just the, the champion was the champion until dethroned. But considering the elements of luck in the show... Uh, it typically was not a big uh, run for people. Like it was, it was pretty easy to unseat people. You know, it's not like in Jeopardy where, uh, you know, the the talent or the skill is is the only factor. So you could just look out and win and, and unseat the champion. Uh, and they did have a thing where if you won, uh, I believe it was five consecutive shows, you would win a car. Um, the Gremlin was the one I saw this morning. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that seemed to be a pretty common thing because, like, remember we were talking about uh, Tic Tac Doe with Christian mm-hmm. and the guy who ended up going for, you know, for $300,000, he won eight cars. Good Lord. Yeah, plus a couple of boats and a whole bunch of other crap. I mean, it was pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess you can hit it big in this game. But again, I mean, someone could just luck out and you're done for. All right. Well, that's uh, it for gameplay. Are you uh, ready? We'll take a quick break and come back and hit up all the history. Yeah, let's, let's do a break. All right. Sounds good. You've been listening to America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they want.
Welcome back. Segment number three, episode number 13. It's the Joker's Wild on America's Favorite Game Show podcast. Tell them what they've won. Michael. Tom. History. History, indeed. So, the history of uh, Joker's Wild actually begins, well, I, okay, this is probably true for literally everything, but it, it begins well before the show ever aired. Uh, Jack Barry actually initially pitched the show back in the 60s, uh, but he did not have much luck. He did not impress the uh, executives that were necessary to get the show on the air, but he continued working on it and, and tweaking the rules and whatnot, and uh, eventually uh, got it to a point where they decided it was worth airing, and then September 4th, 1972, it Hits the air for the first time. Now, I want to I want to bring up two things. First of all, we will also put up. Uh, Christian sent along a video to us um, of that original pitch for the show um, oh, b- before, and I don't know if you saw that before mm-hmm. it actually made it. Uh, he was like same producer a decade earlier, uh, so I will push that one out on the on the website. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, also, did you know? And I think I told you this that uh, debuting uh, on that September fourth, nineteen seventy two. In addition to Joker's Wild, the new Price is Right and Gambit at the same time. Ooh, stiff competition. It also happens to be today, believe it or not, that Mr. Mark Spitz, Mark Spitz, was uh, the big champion at the uh, Olympics that day. Ah, the Olympic swimmer, which actually ties back into the show because uh, there was just, I mean, very barely, there was a contestant on an episode that I saw that they were uh, sort of riffing for looking like Mark Spitz, and I had no idea who that was, so I had to go look him up, and I I just learned uh, yesterday that he is an Olympic swimmer. Yep, uh, he was in the Olympics in uh, 1972. Obviously, was in Munich, Germany. Was the, mm. that was the day he brought home the gold medal? A little, set, a little bit a before my time. I understand. It was before my time as well. I can honestly, truthfully say that, and I feel good about it. <laughs> uh, right, so, uh, despite being up against Price is Right and Gambit, uh, which I, maybe Gambit may not be that popular in the like overall scope of game shows, but still, uh, it also uh, had to fight out against a uh, talk show hosted by Dinah Shore, which I'm sure was just immensely popular, uh, and of course the game show named that tune. Uh, but... It still beat all the shows out. It was incredibly popular over the first two years. Did a really, really great job with the with the ratings. Uh, but then uh, NBC moved its celebrity sweepstakes show to the same time slot as uh, Joker's Wild. And uh, that was not great. It took a huge dive. Ratings just absolutely tanked. And uh, after a three-year run, they uh, scrap it in 75. But, uh, as we've seen with several other shows, that's not going to be the end of it because uh, they kept reruns of it, and the reruns were so popular, they were like, all right, well, let's bring it back. People love this show. And uh, September 5th, 1977, it came back and ran for another nine years. So, obviously, the right move. Uh, At this point, it was uh, paired with the aforementioned uh, Tic-Tac-Doe as a source. They were sister shows to each other and and ran uh, concurrently. Or no, concurrently means at the same time, right? One after the other. I don't know what word that means. Consecutively? Thank you. Uh, and My uh, my mother, who was an English teacher, is very proud that I pulled a three-cent word out of my butt there. Go ahead. <laughs> Good job. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that ran, like I said, for uh, nine years. During that nine-year run, there was also a spinoff, uh, a kid's version, called Joker, Joker, Joker. Uh, it ran from 79 to 1981. I did not find much about this one. Uh, I think it's just sort of kid-themed questions. It seems a little weird to make a casino-themed game show for children. 
But yeah, I, 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 mean, I read something about Mark Summers jumping in there oh, no and hosting that for like a, as a substitute host. He was like twenty two or something, and he was like he was like an assistant page at the studio or something. Oh wow, that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, so speaking of of the hosts, uh, so Jack Barry is still hosting at this point, um, but uh, as the years go on, his health starts to decline. Uh, he personally picked uh, a man by the name of Jim Peck as a regular substitute host, uh, but then when uh, Barry finally died, uh, they actually ended up replacing him with the dean of game show host, Mr. Bill Cullen. Uh, and he ran the show for the remainder of the time on air uh, until May 23rd, a day after my birthday, 1986, not the same year. Uh, yeah, that's when it ended uh, that initial run. Now, we did see a revival in the 90s, as you mentioned earlier, uh, but it was very much not successful. Uh, it was hosted by a man named Pat Finn, uh, and the reason why it was unsuccessful was mainly because it was such a wild change in format from the original show. Uh, they they changed the way the questions work. Uh, it just it was not... It was not the same show, and I think people wanted it to be. You know, that's that's the reason why you bring back shows is because you want people to see the thing that they loved, and if you if you change it so drastically, people aren't going to be as interested. And so, yeah, that ran for uh, I think less than a year, ninety ninety one. I don't have the exact dates on offhand, but uh, a year at the most. Uh, and that was kind of it for a while. Then uh, 2017 rolls around and TBS picks it up uh, and puts Snoop Dogg as a host, as we mentioned earlier. And man, I, I love him as a host. I didn't see the first season where maybe he was still, you know, getting his sea legs. But in the second season, he really ramps it up. And I think he's great. He just has this casual, I don't care attitude. And I, I love it. I love it. You know, it was interesting um, when I I have seen I, when it first came out because I liked Joker's Wild. I was like, okay, I really want to see this, and I love Snoop. So I started watching in the very beginning of the first season, and it was tough for me to watch. He was not a very good host. As a matter of fact, they even had a Jeannie May serve as a mm-hmm. hostess the first season, and uh, I think the main reason she was there. It's because Snoop didn't really know what the hell he was doing. Notice she's not there on the second season right. uh, because he's figured it out. And by the time he's in the second season, he's a great he's a great host. It's yeah. wonderful. Like I said, he must have gotten some coaching or something like that. And I mean, it makes sense. The guy has no game show history before no. that or emceeing history. Like I mean, obviously emceeing, he's a rapper. But I mean, like being a actual host of anything, like. I'm not saying the guy's not talented or skilled. Just doesn't seem like it was his avenue. It felt more like a gimmick at the first season, I guess. Well, um, and the best the best thing about it, you know why why he got picked for that, right? Uh, he no. went he went to them. He was like, I want to bring this back. It was oh, my no favorite. Kidding. It was my favorite show as a kid. That's awesome. Well, good for him then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And- and when they brought it back, so uh, this is uh, sort of the same thing as the 90s. They decided to change the format a little, but I think maybe they learned their lesson because the changes this time around were not nearly as significant. Um, they, you know, it was more money, uh, the no returning champs. You just, every game was self-contained, uh, uh, set number of spins per round, and then during the uh, face the devil round, he would try and buy you out for, you know, stop playing or whatever, kind of like in uh, Deal or No Deal. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, it's more or less the same show. And I think they kept enough of the original format to leave that endearing quality to it. And I think, yeah, there's like there's different things where he's doing little side games and little props and stuff. Like he has yeah. the snooper. I love the snooper. Have you ever seen that? 
that where it's that's a little bong that sits next to him and it's smoking and he asks it and it's like it's like the 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 Alexa but it's uh-huh. it's, it's for a Snoop yeah, yeah. I yeah. love I I, I kind of like that sort of gimmicky stuff it's cheese ball for sure but it's hilarious sure. and it fits oh, yeah. him and I like I love the almost sort of brazenness of the show talking about weed all the time having bongs on there one of the point values on the face the devil round is uh, 420 yeah uh, of and, course it but is. <laughs> what 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 caught me off guard was how much he says the word shit. Oh yeah, he drops it all the time. Now it's obviously in a very specific context, um, sure. but he'll like there's the, the the one that that stood out to me the most. The, the category was called uh, the highlight zone, and it was like um, sports highlights questions, but written in a sort of twilight zone sort of thing. And he'd mm-hmm. start each one off going, "All right, close your eyes and picture this shit." <laughs> <laughs> Or like you know when they go into the the you know describing what they're gonna win. Here's the shit you're gonna win. You know like he, yeah. it's just sort of offhand, and they don't censor it. I, it's it's crazy. No, they but. don't they don't bleep it out. It's it's very casual. He's got a little cocktail in his hand when he's out there mm-hmm. drinking and having fun. And I'm I'm like, I love the vibe of it. I mean, if you look I at the audience, the they're all the audience cocktail tables. They are. It's cocktail tables. Yeah. Uh-huh. It, it is a fun, fun vibe for a show. I love it. Yeah, they definitely had a two drink minimum at that at that show. <laughs> oh, I think it's great. Yeah. Super awesome. So, uh, best I can figure, this version is not still running. Um, but I, I can't really find anything about it. Apparently, there was a third season in 2019. That's when it moved from TBS to TNT, which is a bit of a weird decision, uh, considering TBS's thing is like games and fun, and TNT is like drama and suspense. Um, but uh, I well, guess I that- maybe it's still running. I don't know. I couldn't find anything that said definitively one way or the other. Yeah, I think the main reason for the move to, to uh, TNT was because it was gonna they were going to partner it up or pair it up with the sports that they do. Uh, so so that's the reason why it was going over there so they could kind of like move it with that now that being said who the hell knows when season four was supposed to come out it may have been 2020 with the covid thing you don't know right they still got a hype page up on tbs's website and with like clips and information and stuff so like it's not abandoned but i don't think it's like actively in production or anything like that needless to say i hope it comes back i do too and and if for no reason just to have snoop dogg host a game show like he's just he's one of the greatest people in the world and i love seeing him do stuff like this yeah yeah it's great yeah and uh you know i I was gonna say uh had this occurred uh several years earlier i probably could have given a little more inside information since i used to work at tbs and tnt but uh, oh that's right yeah this all this all happened after my tenure there was over so that's too bad you could have met snoop man i know right i got to meet conan o'brien and andre 3000 while i was working there so uh uh, and rupaul and the drummer from mastodon so i I had my my brushes with fame it was pretty cool well the drummer with mastodon that's at the top of my list no i'm sure you're a big metal fan I was being facetious. I see. Although, I will tell you what, Andre 3000, if you have not seen Dispatches from Elsewhere, he's fantastic in it. I highly recommend watching it. Yeah, he. I mean, he's he's also pretty he's, much great in everything he does. So. Oh, I know. Amazing, amazing. Yep. Anyway, all right, so it's time for us to do our ratings for this one, Mike. Uh, What, what are we rating it out of? I guess Jokers, right? What Jokers, else man. The Jokers How are wild. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's why I didn't want to do it, because the Jokers are wild, then there's no real value to them, right? Well, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a, a, a page out of Snoop, and you gotta rate this shit. All right, I'll rate this shit. Um, 
gosh, you know, I I'm gonna I'm gonna actually go pretty low here. Um, it's something that just occurred to me. Uh, we talked, this is, this is not the ratings, but I just want to throw this out there real quick. We talked about how Jack Barry, like is really good at explaining the rules and is very thorough. And I just now put it together that since he created the show, that totally makes sense. Like he probably is more familiar with the rules than any other game show host is of the game show that they're hosting because he created the dang thing. Right. Anyways. Yeah. yeah. So uh, with that in mind, I like the hosts. I like him. I like Snoop Dogg. I like uh, Bill Cullen. The The gameplay is fun enough, I guess. It's trivia. You, you know, I like trivia. But there's just, I don't know. Something about it is holding me back. I'm going to land on 2.75 Jokers out of 5. All right. Cool. Cool. And again, this is another week where I'm not going to be uh, voting higher, rating higher than you are. Oh, I'm going 2.5 jokers for this. And as much as I used to love this show, and and although I do really enjoy the Snoop show, it's still not enough that it wants me to come back and watch it every single week. I I love it, but I don't love it that much. So I know 2.5 seems like it's really low, but that's technically right smack dab in the middle. Yep. I mean, and so that this that's why this rating system is so weird, because 2.5 sounds so low, but it is mid grade. So it's not bad. No, and and I, by the way, if you haven't seen Joker's Wild with Snoop, go watch a couple episodes of it. I think you'll really enjoy it. It's a lot of fun, and maybe just the second season, I guess, if he's not doing all that great a job in the first one. But, I mean, it's it's just a fun little wacky show. Oh, also, uh, with how much they talk about weed, I saw an episode where one of the contestants was a cop. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, yeah. you know, and weed, weed is so is so uh, legal now in so many places. Oh, yeah. I mean, that- I'm sure where they film it, it's totally legal. And, I mean, it's not a big deal anymore. I just thought it was a funny little irony. Right, right. All right, well, Mike, that's all the time we have for today. All right, well, special thank you to Christian, the folks at Buzzer Blog, and, of course, everyone who's taking the time to listen to us each and every week. We love you all. Tune in again next time when we'll bring you the latest and greatest in the world of game shows as well as a brand-new featured show, too. And remember, you can always catch us online, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and, of course, tellthemwhatthey'vewon.com. Please subscribe, share, like, and drop a review if you like what you've heard. And if you didn't like it, I hope you have to face the devil. Ouch. All right, Mike. I'll see you next week. All right. Bye, Tom. You've been listening to America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. A JTEC audio production. Copyright 2020. No part of this podcast may be reproduced by anyone without the express written consent of the creators. For more information or to contact us, please go to tellthemwhatthey'vewon.com. All right, Tom, what'd you learn this week? Well, Mike, I think I learned that I'm just not a big a fan as some of these shows as I as I was. There's certain shows like Double Dare that, you know, I'm definitely as much a fan of now as I was then. But this was just one of those shows this week that I just it's lost something on me over the course of the 30 years since I've watched it before. Yeah, I totally understand that. How about you? This one's hard to put a finger on, but I sort of learned that I think there has been a shift in the sounds that audience makes when they cheer over the years. Uh, and it, uh, I think this is, well, uh, the, the example I, I would give is uh, if you ever hear audience cheering on the cartoon Rocky and Bullwinkle. Okay. There, there's a lot more of uh, hooray sorts of sounds. Maybe not literally the word hooray, but yay and hooray, that sort of sound. Whereas modern cheering is way more woos and yas, and I I think the overall sound of what people make when they're cheering 
has changed. And if you watch an episode of, let's say that the the run from uh, the seventies into the eighties, watch like an episode from the seventies version, and then watch an episode from the late eighties. And the sound of the audience just overall is different. Now, obviously it's different people in that. Sure. But it's a distinctly different sound. I can't put my finger on it, but it's a thing. Well, no matter what generation, I'm still cheering for you. Oh, that's so sweet. Copyright 2020, a JTAG audio production.